Let us turn in our Bibles to our scripture reading for today. Psalm 98, verse 1. Psalm 98, reading verse 1, and we will choose to read it thrice. Psalm 98, verse 1, and may we all stand for the reading. Psalms 98, verse 1, let's go. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he had mar marvelous things. His right hand in his own arm had gotten him the victory. Second time. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he had done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm had gotten him the victory. And a third time, O oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he had done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm had gotten him the victory. You may be seated. When I get on my knees to pray before the message is shared, my biggest concern is that uh, God may that I may not dishonor God with the statements and uh, use of words, how I address his most important thing, his children, his people, his sons and daughters. How do I address them? I am his servant. I want him to bless me. And so I pray for you. I pray for me. And so when I pray here, I ask you also to always pray for me and pray for you also. So that uh, we may be, we may find ourselves worthy of uh, hearing the word of God and speaking the word of God. Psalm 98 verse 1 was read three times. It was enough. <laughs> Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. True or false? In your life, in your life, not in the Bible. In, true. And true in my life. Let me just tell you a little experience about myself. It's almost unbelievable that I am here preaching. It's almost unbelievable. At a certain point in time when I was just a little child, there we were, a little background. My father was the grandson of a man who was born in Jaffa, Israel. It's just outside of Tel Aviv. Him moving everywhere. His son was born in Brazil. My father, his grandson, was born there. By the time he came to my father, there was, they had lost so much of uh, the belief. I do not know if you know that most of Israel, most of the country, is secular. Meaning they do not believe in God. The story of Adam and Eve... It's just a production of ancient writers. This is, this is true. 
my, in Tel Aviv, is very secular. Okay. Even though Tel Aviv is the number one city in the world for vegan restaurants. I don't know how they put, oh, yeah, you could be like, you know, I'm a Hare Krishna or whatever. I take care of my health because of the outer world, the gods, whatever. But Tel Aviv, very secular. The region around it, Jaffa, for example, very secular. So, so secular. If you ask them about uh, things such as, so what do you say about Adam and Eve? They will look at you as if you had three heads. It would be the same as uh, if people asked us how true is the lessons and how important are the lessons of Shakespeare's to you as an Adventist. You could look at them and say, you won't even talk about it. It's so, so different from us. So it is when you ask about Adam and Eve, it's so different from them. It will be even a little offensive. I had that experience also. I, I knew it and I had that experience. I was walking on the Walls of Jerusalem on the, on the top there. You can walk as some portion is as wide as half of this church, maybe even wider. Um, it's way up there. So you can walk. It takes you a good hour. On the portion that you can walk, you cannot walk all around it, just on the on a portion. Um, it's very nice. From there you can see inside the old city of Jerusalem, and outside the new city of Jerusalem, the, the, the modern city. You can see the Dome of the Rock inside, right across the West Gate, or the Willing, the West Wall, or the Willing Wall, and there is a West Wailing, Wailing, not Wailing, Wailing, Wailing Wall, and uh, there is a West Gate also. But uh, as I was walking up there, it was a Sabbath afternoon. It was not that I wasn't doing tourism or on the Sabbath, no. When you go to Jerusalem, if you want to have a real spiritual experience, go for a walk on the Sabbath afternoon. Go to the Garden of uh, Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives. When you sit there and you read the Bible and you feel like these things happen right here, Maybe I'm standing where Peter was. Oh, Jesus. Whoa, you feel like your hair. Go. This is so real. Some of the trees, well, they believe that those trees that you see there, they're so thick, olive trees. They're not really from those days because Saint Anne, or Anne, the mother of Constantine, not a mother, but Constantine's aunt, who became a Christian. And it is believed that she was really a Christian. Constantine is debatable. We Adventists do not believe that he was really a, became really a, he really became a Christian, but his aunt became a Christian. She was converted. She ordered the trees of the Garden of Olives to be cut down to build a church, portion of the church. So and the trees that grew up after that, you know, in those days, this was not that, 
that sacred, that holy. It was just a garden. But the trees there are as old, they, they believe, as a, maybe a, a thousand years. And they are the offspring that's offshoot, not offspring, offshoot from those old trees. When you walk there, you go like, oh. I did a communion. By the way, we have communion here on December 11th. 11th. Okay, we will have communion here. I had a communion. I, I helped uh, another pastor and I. We shared communion there with a group of uh, about 60 of us. Once. Right in, in the Garden of, of uh, Gethsemane, uh, the tomb of Jesus was right there to the right. And there is a little garden on the outside, which is portion of Garden of Gethsemane. And so it was so beautiful, so, so surreal. You know, when you, you read and you feel like, whoa, it's, it's, it's a strange thing, a strange thing. By the way, it is in my plans, and I've been talking about it for so long, but every time I plan, and you have to plan uh, with a space of uh, three to four years for you to plan it through there, but then when you come close to it, the animosity there in, in, in the Middle East in relation to Israel it becomes so heated up that uh, we have to cancel. But uh, it is my plan to take a group of... Uh, of us, from us here, from our churches, and invite all the churches, uh, we need to make up at least like 40 of us to be affordable to everyone, you know, a full bus to travel and so on, and, and do a, a tour from, you know, arriving in um, the international airport in uh, Tel Aviv, then from there we go straight to Jerusalem, stay in a hotel there, and there we travel to the north to Tel Dan, all the way, border with uh, uh, Lebanon and Assyria on the right, Lebanon on the uh, northeast, and Assyria on the northwest. Uh, and then we can come back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is our, our hub where we travel from there, and then we go from there to the south, to all the way to Egypt, and uh, Shafila Valley and other places, beautiful places. When you go there once, I'm, not sh I'm sure that some of you have been there, but when you go there and you read the Bible, you never read your Bible the same again. You never, you never. When you read about uh, Paul, and by the way, I have a little thing to say about wearing masks. I want to be like Paul in the way of Damascus. Just saying. But uh, Paul on the way of Damascus. And then you, you read and you go, whoa. Wow. You see all these things around. Because the, the way to go there, the road is basically the same to this day. So you walk on his footprints. So. When you read the Bible, you never read the Bible the same again. The marvelous things that God has made, the victory that he has won for us, happened, took place, right there, in, beside Mount, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. Right beside the Garden of Gethsemane, there is a hill. On this side of the hill, there are like three holes that from far, it looks like a skull. Therefore, the mount, the, 
Golgotha, the, that is the Mount of a Skull, where Jesus was crucified, is right there. Right on the bottom of that mountain now, there is a bus station, a huge bus station. And then there is the story of uh, when they were building the bus station. A huge number of, uh, uh, of uh, conservative um, Christians, they came and they stopped the construction. No, you're not building a, a, a bus station here on the sacred ground. No way. This is where the message of salvation goes through the entire world. And then one of the architects, believe it or not, thought a little bit and said, you know, what would be the best thing for us to build here than a bus station where people would have to come to and then go away from? And they will be telling the story of where they went, of what they saw. And they all agreed and they allowed to build the bus station. That's why the bus station is right there. Jesus won the victory for the Bible says he gained him the victory. Amen. Did God lose anything or did he make any mistake that he had to fight and win something back and win the victory, gaining himself a victory? You know, when he said, the Bible says that he gained himself uh, the victory, it's the victory that he gained for you and for me. Amen. You being happy, for being saved, he is happy for being saved. I think we have so much to be thankful for. For what, for example, what God has done for us. When we feel discouraged, when we feel sad, depressed. Do this. And it works. Psychologists, psychiatrists also. Family counselors, they encourage you to think on positive things. And what are the positive things in life? They are the blessings for which we are supposed to be thankful. So let us count the blessings when we feel sad, depressed, just stop and forget all the trials and count the blessings. When you count the blessings, you will feel like you are receiving more blessings. In this world, we have many trials and we suffer, yes. But I am sure the blessings are much more than our difficulties. You will agree with me if you stop and count the blessings. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. All you lands. Not just uh, the people there in Israel. All you lands. Make a, a what? A sh joyful shout to the Lord. And then he goes on to say, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Uh, not too long ago, I, I ran into a, a member, a brother here in another place, and he was singing. He was singing, just in public and singing. Um, I could recognize, I recognized the song, 
was a, and then one Christian song, Adventist song, and then, oh, you brother, hi. <laughs> but, uh, okay, verse 3. Know that the Lord... Hold me accountable. I'd like to preach a sermon here with this title. The Lord, He is God. This title, what does it remind you of? Elijah on Mount Carmel. The Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. You did not come from a 300 million years of evolutionary <laughs> and you also did not make you yourself we are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise okay what is the meaning of it when do you enter God's gates and his courts his court courts. When you get on your knees, Amen. you are calling his attention. The gate to heaven is when you are on your knees. Amen. So you start praying by praising him, by singing what? With thanksgiving and praises. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord, verse 5, for the Lord is good. You know when the Bible says, for the Lord is good, that should suffice. Period. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endures to all generations. All of them to the very end. We should always be thankful for who we are. For what we have. For all the blessings around us. And especially for Life itself. I do not have the scientific uh, numbers. We have a doctor here. We have others. Um, all of you, educated people, the Seventh-day Adventist people are the most educated people in the entire face of the earth. <laughs> you know the numbers of uh, seeds from your daddy? that met the eggs from the egg from your mommy the many millions of them and guess who made it no 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 guess who made it through and fertilized you that's why you are here otherwise you would have been that other one from the 200 million you came into this world as a winner already. Because God saw, all right, uh, Bobby, Peter, Johnny, Frank. Yeah, Frank. All the other ones didn't make it. God blessed and allowed. And you became who you are. With Psalm 139. How God has formed us, has made us. Even before we were unformed, He already knew us. That's why I say, Frank, 
I laugh about it because the Bible doesn't say any of these things, but uh, how can you believe otherwise? The Bible gives you hints, ideas. Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Nothing, no portion in my heart is reserved for something else. It is all to worship God with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Verse 2. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. And all the works of the Lord here is not really the Bible words alone, but His creation at large. All the things that God created. The stars in heaven. And we always study them, right? We enjoy them. We appreciate them. Verse 3. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. Verse 4, he has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. His works of salvation, how he has saved us. Let me tell you the story that I was beginning to tell you and that I said that I, I held until, until now. When I was just a little kid, because of that background that came from my great-great-grandfather, they had lost all the belief in religious things. And then my father, gaining these stories that were passed by tradition to him, he used to tell me Bible stories like the flood in a very different way. But it was interesting. It could be true the way he told me. But when I saw in the Bible, it was different. But it was, I learned it different. It was interesting. So I grew up with no religion. I was born with no religion. My mother was nothing. She said she was Catholic because that's what people do in those countries that are Catholics. If you do not have a religion, you are Catholic. You just say, I'm Catholic. So I remember some of the Christians from another denomination, like the Assembly of God, that had a church just three blocks away down the road. But they lived up the road and they had to go walking and pass by my house to go to church. And I used to make fun of them. Hey, would you sing that hallelujah song? Because they always sing going to church and coming back. Would you sing that uh, praise, praise God? Where is God? And I would make fun of them. Now I am a pastor. You know... Some of my friends from my teenage years, when I go back and if it so happened that I run into one of them, some of them, they will look at me and say, ha, that's a joke. You are a pastor. It was not because I was that bad and mean, but it was because... It, it was so far from me to ever become a Christian. And now how God, he has been working and how far he has brought this poor soul. He has blessed me from bringing me from the darkness of this 
sin-sinking world to this marvelous light, which is the knowledge of Him. The knowledge that I came from an intelligent designer, who He is, from His hands. And where I am, I am His servant. And where I am going to, I'm going to a place that He has prepared for me. Verse 5, he has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant, his covenant of love. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The heritage of the nations. It was the lands, were the lands that God gave to the Israelites that belonged to all the nations. This world, the nations and the countries of this world, the cities, they belong to other people, right? They are the ones that create law, laws. They impose laws and they govern everything. God will give the heritage, that land that, that uh, so far it belongs to them. He will give them to us Amen. when he makes it all beautiful again. Verse 7, the works of his hands are verity and justice, and his precepts are sure. The Ten Commandments. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He, verse 9, has sent redemption to his people, saved you and I. He has commanded his covenant forever. So holy and awesome is his name. So let us pause and think of the gift of heaven. Heaven will be for us just uh, where God is. That's what makes heaven heaven. Yeah. Hmm. We will go there for a thousand years. Then heaven will be transferred to earth for the rest of our lives. I know that some of you here enjoy gardening like I do. We have professional gardeners here. Very knowledgeable people, Jerry and others. But they're in, in the new earth. I will have a plot of land and grow my, my vegetables, my fruit. I don't know how it's going to be because there will be fruit and, and things everywhere. But I think God will allow us to, to, to enjoy creating like, like Adam and Eve. They were taking care of the garden. I would, I would be taking care of my own garden there. Eternal life. Eternal life. You know, after the age, you, some of you will um, kind of uh, empathize with me. When I hit the age of 40, I started feeling all these things that I did in my life showing up like on my hips, shoulders, back, neck. And I do not remember when I caused those injuries. I don't remember, but they are all telling me now, hello. I told you, don't jump from that tree. The lake is nice and cool, but don't jump head on. Don't do this, don't do that. But I did. I told you. Here I am, the pain. Everywhere. In that place, there will be no such a thing. 
we will be strong, healthy, with our loved ones. Oh, what a reason for us to be thankful. Yes. For heaven is a reality. To you and to me, to us. We cannot even come close to imagine how wonderful it will be. What God has prepared for those who love him. Man has never been able to imagine or fathom. There are so many reasons to be thankful. Not only now, during this season, we celebrated Thanksgiving two days ago. And this is still the season. We are moving now into Christmas season. The celebration of the birth of Christ, which we all know it was not exactly at this time of the year. And this was a combination of uh, some beliefs out there with uh, Christianity. And then we all got into it and we celebrated. But we should celebrate the birth of Christ every single day of our lives. As we should also celebrate Thanksgiving. Reasons to be thankful. If I would ask you here, you would say, as I saw earlier during prayer um, session, health, food for the wife, for the husband, for children, for father, mother, brothers, sisters, for church brothers, church sisters, for, for the church itself, for friends, for house, for, for a house, for a home, for a car. We have so many reasons and we go on. We can spend the whole day here trying to name them all. We all have so much to be thankful for. Probably we do not receive even more blessings because we have not stopped to thank for the blessings already received. Maybe I'm just saying it. This is my own personal theology. Maybe God is saying, you know what? Um, let me hold on for a while now until he is thankful for what I have given him already. <laughs> Because it's a lesson to us. It is beneficial to our hearts, to our lives. People that are thankful, they, it, is, it, is, it is a scientific study and, and proved that they have uh, a better health. They, they have better health, a better health when they are thankful for the, you know, the blessings that they already have. Sister White puts it this way. In Christ's Object Lesson 299, the Lord desires us to appreciate the great plan of redemption, to realize our high privilege as children of God, and to walk before Him with grateful thanksgiving. Amen. Wow. And if you just think about it, let me just say this. Some of us, who became Seventh-day Adventists and were in the faith for as many years as we have been, they will be lost. I praise God. I praise God. I truly praise God. I truly praise God that we have the chance now to get closer and closer to Him so that none of us will be lost. That we will all be saved. Every single one here in this room. So there is a work for us to do. And it is not really a work work. But a work of a thanksgiving. For the great plan of redemption. Have you ever given something to someone? That you spend, spent 
time building or money that you really liked, that you even wanted it for yourself and you gave it and then the person just wasted it or threw it away? Didn't that hurt you? You could have kept it and used it well. You know what I mean? God wants us to be thankful, to appreciate the great plan of redemption. Let us not waste it. Let us not waste it. When we consider the situations of the sin, 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 sinful world, the sin-sinking, sin-stained, darkened world, and that from the world, here we are. And the Bible says in Isaiah that, and the earth was full of His glory. We all know that God's glory is reflected on earth through His children who are reflecting His character. The earth at the end will be full of His glory because His children will be scattered throughout the entire world. You and I. The blessing of the Okay, now, this is not a bad English. I'm saying it on purpose. The blessing of the blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? The blessed hope is that things does not end here. Frank lost his father not too long ago. It does not end there. God has a better plan. God knows the heart of his children. He has a better plan. That is the blessed hope of his second coming that will make all things right. And here is what will take place. Revelation chapter 21. John. In the island of Patmos. Which was right there in the great sea. Mediterranean sea is the same. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Did you know that John is so theological and religious up to this point? And then somehow he throws a, how do you say, a, there is an expression, what? A wrench. A wrench, yeah. And there was no, no more sea. He's saying all these theological things. And then you see his humanity come, coming through. Uh, saying, and there was no more sea. I, I could imagine John looking through the window and seeing the sea. And across the sea on the other side is his beloved Jerusalem. Where his family, friends, the places that he was acquainted with. Some of you here, know, you, you can feel that. There is, there, there is a huge sea between us and our loved ones. John was feeling this, that, oh, what a glorious day. There will be no more sea there. Oh, wow. Wow. I could just walk there. And verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. A little Hebrew lesson here. In Hebrew, you have the singular, the dual, and the plural. 
In English and other Western languages, you have just the singular and the plural. But in Hebrew, you have singular, dual, and plural. The dual is two. We use that two also that way, only two. Plural is three and more. When the Bible says, Bereshit barach Elohim et hashamayim ve'et haritz, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Yes, that's it. When it says in the beginning, Bereshit barach Elohim, this im, Elohim, is a plural for the word Eloha. Eloha is singular. Elohim is plural. Plural is only three or more. So there were at least three people talking. There, there you go with proving um, the Godhead and so on. At least three. The word Jerusalem. Okay, let me just give Eloha, Elohim. Singular, plural. What would be the duo? It would be Elohaim. See, Aim. Eloha, Elohaim, Elohim. Elohaim is a duo. Jerusalem is a dual word. It is Yerushalayim. Duo. We have found one Jerusalem. Where is the other one? That, the way they thought when they looked for the Jerusalem. Where is the other one? We have found one. Where is the other one? So we go on here. The holy city coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. There is so much in that text. I don't want to stop here. I'm taking too much time. I, I wish I could go back and, oh, there is so much in there. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. No more separation. In verse 6, it goes on. And um, am I right here? Verse, oh, verse 4 now. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither there shall, be, shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Have you noticed that up to the moment when Jeru the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven. We will still have tears in our eyes. Why? There are three surprises in heaven, Sister White says. Three surprises. Three great surprises in heaven. One is to not see people that we thought you'd, they would be there. The other one is to see people we thought they would not be there. You see, this proves how judgmental we are. And the third one is the realization that I am there. And tears will be in my eyes. Then God, no, no, these are tears. These are not tears of joy. These are bad, sad tears. Because we will be seeing all this. 
see, tears of joy, God will not wipe them away. They would keep them. <laughs> but uh, it's the moment where you realize that's it. This is the end of all this feeling that you have. When you see the earth being restored, it will be such a marvelous thing. Do you know the seven? Well, not the seven, the five. <laughs> the five wonders of all wonders in this creation. Think with me. When God created everything that there is, creation, how many human beings were there to see it? None. When Adam and Eve came up, were created, they looked around. Whoa, whoa, wow, wow. Oh, they were so amazed. The other one was the flood. How many were there to see it? Some saw for a while, then they were destroyed. The other ones from the, in the ark, they didn't see, they were kept there. Um, okay, then the, the other wonder of all wonders, the third one, which is in the very middle, is the coming of Christ. Jesus coming, his life, and his death. How many were there to see? The entire world at the time saw and heard about him. They watched. They witnessed. Okay? And the whole heaven witnessed also. The fourth one is his second coming in the clouds of heaven. And the Bible says that every eye shall see him that is living. Okay? The whole world will see him. Those who are living. Even a special resurrection which is of those who trespassed him. Those who were so evil as, you know, like, you know, Hitler and others and those who trespassed him will be raised from the dead to see him and then put to death again. But most of the world will have been dead already. They will not be raised, the bad ones. They will be kept there. They are reserved for a special resurrection. When the new Jerusalem here comes down out of heaven, when it comes down, then every single human being that has ever lived will see it. Sister, thank you for the hallelujah, but it, it depends. Hallelujah for us. Yes, amen for the saved, but I don't even want to imagine and to think of, uh, of the other ones that are lost. He will wipe away. That is when he wipes away all the tears from their eyes because sin is dealt away with once and for all. Everything is, is seized. Then we move on to verse uh, 5. Quick. Uh, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, John, John, write it. Write it down and send it to the churches. Send it to every single one of my followers to the end of time. For these words are true and faithful. You know what is one other title for Jesus? The true and faithful witness. This is as true as I am. As good, as important as I am. And verse 6, And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And verse 7, 
He, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Guess how many will overcome with their own power and their own strength? None of us. God offers his power and his strength to overcome. As we read in Psalm 98 verse 1, he even says, I have already won the victory for myself when I win the victory for you. It is ten times harder for us to be lost than to be saved. What a tremendous reason to be thankful and to sing new songs of praises to God every day in our lives. And I would like to encourage you, every single one of you, with the spirit of thanksgiving that we celebrated two days ago or this entire week and today, to keep this spirit going. Because that's the life of a Christian, a son and a daughter of God. People should look at you in July and say, you're so happy. It's like uh, you've been celebrating Thanksgiving. Say, yeah, sure I am, every day. Amen? Amen. 